We can all relate to the amount of stress we're feeling in recent days. We hear it in the news, in our social media, and in conversations. Pandemic, virus, joblessness, economic crisis, social unrest. Our worries are compounded. Well, I contract the is virus. my child is my job in my country. It's a feeling of being at the end of our rope. But God invites us to trust Him. Through these trying times, we can rejoice knowing He has a plan and a purpose in these days. Using this time to better learn to live in faith, we will find peace as He walks alongside us. There is really hope at the end of your rope. Well, hello, everybody. Thank you so much for being here today. I love the fact that you've joined our service and that you are a part of this moment together as one church. Thank you so much. This last Friday, I sent an email to everybody who is on our email list, and it included a link to a survey that we're needing you to take about coming back to in-person services. We're thinking that it's going to be September, but we need your help. And so we're going to ask you to go to that survey. We just need one member, one adult of the family to fill out the survey for the whole family. So if you do that, we'd really appreciate it. Now, you may not have gotten the email from me, but you can do it on the church app or the uh, uh, website, Facebook, whatever, and we would love it. When this service is over, please go. And it takes five, ten minutes. Now, one question you're going to encounter is, uh, when we start back up again, will you come and be a part of it? Well, don't check yes, unless you're going to be here in the flesh. That answer does not mean, the yes doesn't mean, well, I would love it, but no, I'm not going to actually be there. I think the church really ought to open up, even if I'm not going to be there. That's not what that means. What it means is, I will be there. If I'm not sick or I'm not in heaven with Jesus... I will be in person at one of our three campuses. See, we're opening up all three campuses at Missouri City, at Richmond Rosenberg, and at Sugarland. And we want you to come in person and be a part of that. And we're having children's ministry, everything. Please come and be a part of in-person worship again. And we're thinking that it's going to be in September. A little girl went to her mother and she asked her mother, Mommy, where did people come from? And her mother explained, well, God made Adam and Eve and then they had children and the children grew up and they had children and they grew up and had children all the way to the present time. Well, the little girl got it. She understood. But the next day as she was talking to her dad, she said, Daddy, where did people come from? And her dad said, well, a long time ago, there were monkeys and the monkeys slowly but surely turned into people. Well, now the little girl's totally confused. And she went back to her mother and she said, mommy, I don't understand. When I asked you where people came from, you told me from Adam and Eve and they had children who had children and it happened to this very time. But when I asked daddy, he said that monkeys turned into people. And her mother said, sweetheart, this is not a problem. This is very easy to understand. When you asked me the question, I was telling you where my side of the family came from. And when your dad answered, he was explaining where his side of the family came from. 
Now, this story has absolutely nothing to do with what I want to talk to you about today, but I heard it and I laughed. I thought this is really funny. We have begun a series entitled Hope at the End of Our Rope or Your Rope. You know, sometimes when you're a Bible teacher and you are preparing God, and he's done this to me many times, takes me through the very issues that I'm going to be talking about just so he can see and I can see whether I will live up to the words I'm about to teach. And this week was exactly that. Kathy and I experienced one disappointment after another after another. They came from from just out of the blue. We were never expecting them. And in fact, so many of them that a couple of times we looked at each other and just broke out in laughter because it is not possible for this to have been coincidental. God was taking us through this moment. And I got to tell you, this is the great thing about marrying a godly person. She encouraged me all week long. I encouraged her that we would have faith, not fear, like we talked about last week, that we would have weight, not worry, like we're going to talk about today. And we really lived that way. And some of those disappointments got resolved along the way, but some are still out there hanging. But we know, we know that what we're talking about, what I'm teaching you today is absolutely true. Look, when you come to the end of your rope, tie a knot and hang on, because God is about to bless you. He is about to help you. And you've got to know that that's true. Today, I want to talk to you about choose, wait, not worry. The truth is wait and worry takes the same amount of energy and the same amount of time, but one will give you peace and the other give you pain. One will make you stronger and the other one will make you weaker. So what do you want to be? I want to talk to you today about choose, wait, not worry. And the passage of scripture we're going to look at is in Philippians chapter four and verses six to eight. So listen to what it says. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and by supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, If there is any excellence, and if anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. Paul is teaching us today to choose weight, not worry. And the very first point that I want you to notice is simply this. Choose to see that worry is an enemy, that you can and you will eliminate from your life. Notice what he says. Don't be anxious for anything. He doesn't say reduce your worry by 20% or by 50%, but he says totally take away worry out of your life. I want you to notice that this is a command. God would never give us a command unless we could do it. And so God is saying to us, you can do this. In fact, we can eliminate worry from our life if we'll just choose to do so. The person who writes this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is the Apostle Paul. And Paul is in prison at this very moment and he is waiting for word every day. 
whether or not his head will be severed from his body. And yet Paul says, don't worry about anything. Worry is assuming a responsibility over something that is God's responsibility. Are you God? Are you as powerful as God? No. And he is simply saying this, don't assume a responsibility that God has taken on. Let it go and let God handle this. Actually, worry is a total waste of time and energy. Dr. Walter Calvert did a study on worry for the National Science Foundation, and I have listed the results in your notes. And it was pretty amazing. In, it was a pretty extensive research on worry, and what he discovered is that 40% of the things that we worry about never actually happen. I really thought that it would be a higher number than that. He also discovered that 30% of the things that we worry about are things that have already happened. And now we're fretting about the past. Problem is, is that if you, keep your, if you keep your eye on the past, you can't see what's coming. 12% of the things we worry about are about health issues. We had some little uh, symptom and we have extrapolated that into something that we're totally wrong about. It's health issues that never materialize. You just got a little bitty thing and that's how, what it turns out to be. 10% of the things that we worry about, we actually exaggerated. We turned mounds into mountains in, uh, and they weren't really what we thought they were. When it comes right down to it then, only 8% of the things that we actually worry about are actual worrisome things. So what they discovered in the research is that 92% of the things we worry about, we don't need to worry about. And the other 8% are real challenges and God has already told you, he will meet your need. He will take care of this. So stop allowing worry to steal your joy. Stop living in weakness when you can live in power. The Bible actually presents worry as a learned behavior. And if it can be learned, it can be unlearned. So how do we do that? It's to get a fresh look at God. To understand that God is really here. And that he infinitely loves you. And he has the power to deal with whatever it is you're going through. And he will see you through. No. Take the worry that you have gotten used to and realize you can't eliminate it and decide that it's an enemy and you will eliminate it. So what do you put in its place? Choose wait, not worry. Choose to wait on God. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 31 says it this way, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I don't know how many times I've claimed that verse in my own life. And times in which I've imagined the imagery, God is going to give me the wings to fly above this issue. God is going to give me the strength and the power to run and, and not be weary, to walk and not faint. I will see the end of this and I'll be victorious. And this is what he's saying in the verse. Those who wait on the Lord will experience this result. And then in Psalm 27, 14, wait for the Lord. Be strong, take heart, and wait 
for the Lord. So what does it mean to wait on the Lord? What does it mean? To wait on the Lord means to be still. It means to stop fighting, stop running, stop panicking, stop struggling. It means to be still. This is why the Bible says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and see that there is a throne in heaven and God is on it. And God will take care of you. Be still. Slow me down, Lord. Ease the pounding of my heart by the quieting of my mind. Give me amid the confusion of the day the calmness of the everlasting hills. Break the tensions of my nerves and muscles with the soothing music of the singing streams that live in my memory. Teach me the art of slowing down, to take a look at a flower, to chat with a friend, to pat a dog, to smile at a child, to read a few lines from a good book. Remind me each day that the race is not always to the swift, that there is more to life than increasing its speed. Choose trust, not fear. Choose wait, not worry. Last week, I quoted from Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. But today, I want us to dig deeper into the passage. And notice what he says in verse 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. What does it mean to wait on the Lord? Well, the first thing is it means to be still and get a fresh glimpse at God again. But second of all, it means then to begin praying about everything. It's time to get our prayer life ramped up. It's time to get on our knees and start going to God in prayer about what? He says to pray about everything. If it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. And right now we're going through a pandemic. There is a need for us to pray for people that are on the front lines of this pandemic. There's a need for us to get on our knees and pray for other people who have gotten the illness and others who are members of our family to, for their protection. It's, there's a need for us to pray for our government officials that are leading us. The truth is, they've never faced this before. And yes, some of them are making some mistakes. That's right. But they're doing their best. I'm convinced of it. And some of the mistakes that are being made need to be challenged. But I really honestly believe they're doing their best. We need to pray for them. We're going through social unrest in our country. And there is genuinely a need to make some changes in our country. We're going through unrest and part of the reason is because there is a need for us to make some changes. We need to pray, oh God, help us as a country to make those changes. But there are other things going on in all of this that are not of God at all and we know it. Burning down things, burning cars, uh, looting stores, 
injuring others. There's no way God is in the middle of that. We need to be on our knees and asking God, oh God, please bring this country back together. Please help this country come back together. We're facing a presidential election, not just the president's going to be uh, elected, but other officials. We need to be praying for this election. And I'm going to tell you, every last one of us, every single one of us need to be on our knees asking God to bring a spiritual revival in our country. Pray about everything. First Peter chapter five, verse seven says, cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. It means that cast means to throw your problems upon the lap of God and trust him with them. According to a life insurance study that was done several years ago, many years ago, they discovered that people that attend church at least one time a week on average, live 5.7 years longer than people who do not attend church. I will not be a bit surprised that a study will discover that all those who watched Sugar Creek Baptist Church online during the pandemic live 10 years longer than those who do not. And I will not be surprised when it comes out that all those who bake pies for their pastor live 20 extra years. Why is it that somebody that goes to church at least one time a week live 5.7 years longer than those who don't? Well, the study actually explained why. Because those who go to church have a tendency to pray more, to forgive more, to be less angry, and especially less bitter. Those people that go to church have a tendency to have less negative emotions that stay in their bodies than those who don't go to church. And here is what happens. Every time we give ourselves to anger, every time we give ourselves to bitterness, to worry, to fear, it secretes an enzyme in our bodies that attacks our immune system. It actually weakens over time our immune system. And this is what they discovered in the study. It's called emotionally induced illnesses. Have you ever heard of that? Doesn't mean that I'm imagining because of my emotions. It means you got a real illness because of emotions that are out of whack. Anger, bitterness, fear, worry. And those things create the, the, the destruction of our immune system and actually end up killing us early. Oh, listen. Pray about everything. Trust God with it. The third thing I want you to notice is not just be still and see God in a fresh way, but second of all, the pray about everything. And now third of all, have a thankful heart with what you already have. Be thankful for what you already have. Listen to what he says in Philippians 4, 6. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. One translation puts it this way. Always asking God with a thankful heart. The healthiest human emotion that we have is thankfulness. And what happens to us is that 
When we have a forgiveness and we, we have a, a faith, not fear, and we have a weight, not worry, and, and we have a thankful heart, having a grateful attitude actually increases your immune system. I've heard that laughter actually makes you have a healthy immune system. You know, this is the great thing about marrying a godly woman. My wife is just so, she has such a thankful spirit all the time. And it rubs off. So do you want to be happy? Do you want to be healthy? Do you want to enjoy life? Gratitude gets the focus off of our problems and gets the focus on the benefits of our life. And the end result is that our stress level goes down and our peace of mind goes up. Start thanking God on a regular basis for everything good that's coming in your life. James 1.17 says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. It's coming from God. Thank him. Thank him for it. Start thanking God on a regular basis in every difficult situation that comes into your life. And the fourth thing is this. Bring your thoughts under control. And that's Philippians 4.8. And listen to what he says. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence, if there is any worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. He's saying change your thought life, change what you're thinking about. And why is that so important? Because in Proverbs 23, verse 7, he says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. The truth is what dominates our thinking decides our attitude and our level of peace. So let me give you an illustration. Okay, guys, I want you to put the picture up on the iMag screen. There it is. Now, I want you to look at the picture and I want you, wherever you are, in your room, in your home, or wherever you are, I want you to call out what you see on this picture. Call it out loud so that everybody in the room hears you say it. Okay? Are you ready? All right. Now, guys, take the picture down. Now, how many of you called out, there is a red dot on that screen? How many of you did it? Just raise your hand. Okay? Thank you. Now, how many of you called out that there is a ton of white space on that screen? Would you raise your hand? Okay. The red dot represents the problem that we have. And oftentimes when we are having a problem, that's all we can see. All that white space, which by the way is about 99.9% of the entire screen, all that white space represents all the blessings of God, all the, the love of God, all the great things that God has given to us. And so many times when we have a problem, when we're going through a difficulty, all our focus is on the red dot. And we totally push away all the good things that is going on in our life. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. And it will surprise you all that the Lord has done. 
Open up your mind to begin to think differently is what Paul is teaching us. And here is another one of the translations of it. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thought. Fix your mind, your thoughts on one, on what is true, honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Waiting on the Lord means to be still. It means to pray, getting on your knees and praying. It means to be thankful. And it means changing your thought life to begin seeing the blessings instead of just the problems. And when you do all these things, when you wait, you choose to wait, not worry. What's the end result? Here it is. Choosing to wait, not worry, brings peace of mind. Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, shall guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. God puts a bodyguard around your heart and around your mind when you're willing to obey what he tells you to do. And it changes your life as a result. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3 and 4, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever. For in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. This can be yours. This can be yours. When you wait on the Lord, God has promised to meet your needs in his timing and in his way. You've got to be patient with the timing of God and the way of God. Choose wait, not worry, and do it right now. Let's pray. Father, we come to you today and we recognize, oh God, this message is for us. Even if it has nothing to do with a pandemic, even if it has nothing to do with our concern for the country, oh God, there are things that are going on in our life. There are struggles and problems and difficulties that we're facing. And God, in this moment, in this moment, we want to win this moment. We don't want the pain. We want the peace. We don't want the weakness. We want the strength. So God, no matter what habits we built in our life, how we have learned to worry, teach us how to unlearn it. Teach us how to trust you. And use right now in our life to make that decision to choose wait, not worry. And God, I pray for those who are listening to me right now, never come to know Christ as Savior, that today they would give their heart and life to Jesus Christ. Today they would accept Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. And talk to one of our ministers today about making that decision. Now, Father, bless us, we pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen.